Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Diane Callahan, your host for The Lighthearted Life. Our topic today is friendship and our leading lady today is Shasta Nelson. You guys are going to love her. Shasta is a friendship expert a leading voice on loneliness and creating healthy relationships. She's spoken at conferences. She has an amazing TEDx talk. TEDx talk. Um, she's given media interviews to outlets such as the New York Times, Washington Post. She's been on the Harvard Business Review podcast and the Steve Harvey Show. And she's constantly teaching all of us how to create healthier and more fulfilling relationships in our lives. Her research and wisdom can also be found in her three best-selling books, Friendships Don't Just Happen, which ha- teaches us how to make new friends as adults. Friendtimacy, how to deepen friendships for lifelong health and happiness, which teaches us how to make our relationships more meaningful and healthy. And her newest book, The Business of Friendship, Making the Most of Relationships Where We Spend the Most of Our Time. And it teaches us why we need to foster better relationships in our jobs. Shasta. I'm so honored that you are on our show today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Diane, it's my honor. I just find you so inspirational and such a joy. And so when you reached out to me, I was like, easy, yes. <laughs> that made my day, by the way, when you were like, I'm doing it, yes. You know, <laughs> I first came across Shasta Nelson, you, um, in a book I read called, um, it was MWF Seeking BFF by Rachel, and I think her last name is pronounced Birchie. Do you know? Yep. Rachel yep. Birchie. Yep. yep. And it was her year, her year-long search for a new best friend. And I it was published in 2011, and I read it in 2014 because I just thought it was such an interesting concept. And she went through 52 weeks of fi- you know, finding a new person to meet in the new city that she'd moved to. And one of her strategies was girlfriend circles. And she met some some new friends through your business and your um, website, Girlfriend Circles. And as soon as I found out, like, what you do, I was like, I am in love. I think you're amazing. <laughs> and so then I started sort of following you. Um, and then we had that awesome day where you presented um, a day-long conference. On, uh, it was around your book, Frentimacy, here in Riverside, California. And I was I remember to that. with my it wasn't it awesome, and my best friend her and her daughter were with us, and um, and that's where we first met. And I started to learn so much about the importance of friendships and relationships. And I'm interested in finding out how did you get started in this work? Yeah, it's a uh, it's one of those questions that obviously when I was in college, it wasn't like an option to like go be a friendship expert or anything. So it's one of those <laughs> things where I kind of backed backed into it. I, my training is as a pastor, 
And in my world at that time, the reason I went into like being a pastor was I, you know, I look back and I was like, that's where community happened when I was growing up. Like that's where people gathered. That's where, that's where people were there for each other. And so looking back, I can see like, I was very, I was really fascinated by the idea of belonging and of people being a part of something and knowing that they had support systems in place. And over the years, I just got more and more excited about like wanting this to be for, for everybody. And and especially not where you feel like you have to believe the exact same thing as everybody else to belong. And so I eventually ended up moving it out of churches and more into just like, we have a really lonely world. And that's not a, that's not a fun word to say. People are like, I'm not lonely. But the truth of the matter is over 60% of us before COVID were saying that we're lonely. And it's like, I think that one of the things that most really got me into this, if you like, just really pulled me in was this recognition that it's really amazing women who are like caretakers, who are busy, who are popular, who are social, who are, have great people skills, who are very networked. They are lonely. And when I was noticing that and seeing that and starting to study that, that's where I just was like, this is so fascinating that we have created this stereotype of loneliness that a lot of us don't identify with and yet we are this and we want more connection in our lives and so that was 2008 and ever since then I've just been all about like teaching and inspiring and trying to foster relationships and trying to make it normal (laughs) and take away the stigma (laughs) to just be like let's connect we need better friendships so yeah that's how I that's how I've been in it for what is that 12 13 years now I've just been all about friendship and you are the friendship expert you know one of the things that I learned from you, a statistic that still shakes me to the core, is that feeling disconnected is as bad for your health and longevity as smoking like a pack of cigarettes a day. Yeah, 15 cigarettes a day. It's twice as harmful as if you were a lifelong alcoholic or obese. Oh. And it, it actually matters more on our health than whether what, you know, like what we're eating or whether we're exercising. And you think about how much attention we give to those things. This is a really big factor for our health. And I think that's one of the really important things. This isn't some nice to have. This isn't like a luxury. This isn't like we're not just talking girls night out and having this like cute little, you know, pink, waving our pink pom-poms for girl stuff. This is like friendship for your health, like how you answer the question. And I want to broaden this to say for the men, especially too, this is not just a women's issue. This yeah. is a human need. But just to say like how all of us answer the question, how loved and supported do you feel today tells us more about your health like 20 years out than any other question we can ask you. Isn't that amazing? I, it's just, and we just don't, as a society, we don't really give that focus. And no. I love that you mentioned I love that you mentioned the need for, for men to feel that way. And, you know, some of the re- research, boy, I can't say that word in the morning. The research, you know, shows that for guys, many guys, not all, but their one connected relationship is basically their wife. Mm-hmm. And yep. they don't really have that kind of intimate, you know, vulnerable friendships that they can actually feel like I feel loved and supported and known. Yeah. To be able to we answer have not normalized question well. Totally. We have not normalized uh, or encouraged or modeled men's friendships to be intimate. That's the best word, like you said. And that's why I had to coin the word friendimacy back in the day when I wrote my second book, because when we think of intimacy, most of us just think of sex. And I was like out there trying for years to be like, I was like, no, we all need more intimate relationships. And people gave me that side eye. And I was like, okay, fine. We'll come up with a new word. But the truth is 
we all need more intimate friendsimacy in our lives, including men. And you are so right. A lot of men, we have not, um, they, they hunger for it the same way we do. They have the same need because it's a human need to be seen, to be known, to feel accepted. And so that is, uh, that's a human need. And, yeah, we have not given permission collectively in a very good way to do that for men. And so, yeah, there's loneliness. And I think that's where the loneliness is really important to keep naming and keep identifying. Like, so I define loneliness based off the science that shows us that loneliness is uh, a body. Your body is sending you a message similar to, like, if your body was giving you hunger pains or thirst Mm -hmm. or tired. It's your body telling you you have an unmet need. And so when you feel loneliness, it's just your body telling you you're hungry for more connection in your life. And that's not something, you know, no more than I would feel ashamed of being like, oh, this is so embarrassing that I'm tired. This is horrible. I slept last night. I hope nobody knows I'm tired again tonight. You know, I mean, we know that our body just has Mm -hmm. an ongoing need for sleep, and it's same for connection. And so when we feel that loneliness, uh, we all just need to say, wow, that's interesting. I have room for more love in my life. Like, that's a really beautiful message to receive. Now, what? Now, what kind of love am I looking for? What kind of support would feel good to me right now? And if we could all, like, let go of the feeling bad about it and instead just be like, okay, let me receive the message my body's trying to tell me, and now let me go get the need met. Because I want to just back up and say, when we were quoting those numbers saying loneliness basically shortens your life by 50%, like loneliness can kill you worse than cigarettes, mm-hmm. it's, not just feel, it's not just feeling lonely that kills you, just like hunger doesn't kill you unless you don't get food. Or if you, like, it's not, it's not hunger that hurts you, it's the unmet need of hunger that hurts you. And similarly, it's not just feeling lonely that's bad for you, it's if you don't get the need met that does the damage. And so what we all want to do is get really better at identifying the need when we feel it and then saying, okay, how do I get this need met? Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting um, hearing you talk about that is that, yes, we have not given permission in, a, in, a, in our society as humans to, to even be able to say that, right, and then to go and get right. that need met. And even worse than that, we are, especially in our country, we are, ter- I mean, we're terrible at even getting other needs met too, like like the the the, the stigma of busyness, right? Like everybody thinks mm-hmm. being busy is like remarkable and something to look up to, and we will give away our health and our happiness and our life to the mm. service of busyness. We'll give up our mm-hmm. sleep. That's the first thing that mm-hmm. goes right. We're like, mm-hmm. well, I never needed those eight hours anyway, and yeah. we'll give up our healthy habits and our movement and our eating. For what? Because what we're really giving up is our life. Yeah. Busyness is one of the biggest culprits to meaningful friendships, too, because uh, to feel really close to somebody, you have to have consistent interaction with them. You have to feel like they're there for you, which takes time. And, yeah, if you feel like you're too busy to schedule that or to be there for somebody or to get together with somebody, it just becomes a social life, and it just becomes lunch once a month or a gathering every couple months or something as opposed to somebody who's really meaningful and supportive in your life, which takes a lot more time. So yeah, busyness Mm -hmm. is the reason a lot of our relationships aren't feeling as meaningful and supportive as they could feel. You're right. You know, one of the things when I'm um, speaking and teaching, one of the things I share with people is how important it is to invest in our relationship. We invest in our you know, in our 401ks, we invest in our careers. We need to invest in our relationships because that's the investment that's going to pay the dividends, the real-life dividends, right? Mm-hmm. When, when it hits the fan, 
when you get that terrible call in the middle of the night, when you get a diagnosis, like I have had three times a diagnosis of cancer, when you, uh, when your spouse walks away, whatever it may be, because everybody has hard times mm-hmm. and struggles. I mean, they, you know, we all have them. But when that thing happens, if we haven't invested in our relationships, there will be nothing to pull dividends from. You know, there yeah. will be, it'll be so much harder to ask for help because we're, we're notoriously bad at that, right? What? I need help yep, or something? Yep. I can't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm supposed to be perfect. And then, so we won't ask for help. And then worst of all, worst of all is we won't allow ourselves to humble ourselves to accept help. And because we don't have that solid foundation of trust, like they really want to help or, oh, they're just doing it, you know, for some other reason than they love you and want the best for you and know that you would do it for them. So that time investment in our relationships is more important in my mind than any, you know, Roth IRA. Not that yeah. those aren't yeah, good. When you, those, are, those are good. <laughs> no, but your when, point is well made. When the research shows that our happiness, that we often think of happiness as this very subjective or hard to define thing, but when they pull all the happiness research together, one of the authors I quote in my book um, is they looked at all the happiness studies that have been done, and he concludes seventy uh, percent of our happiness comes down to our relationships. And so you think about that for a second. You think everything else we're chasing in life that we think will make us happy, you know, that that certain dress size or that uh, certain house mm-hmm. or the car or the certain promotion, like you can add all of that up and that adds up to thirty percent. You know, is that seventy percent comes down to our relationships. And so it's virtually impossible to be happy if we don't have those relationships in place. And your point's well made. We spend a lot of time chasing all these other things uh when we'd be a lot if we actually if our goal was to be happy and healthy there's nothing that we could invest our time in more than our relationships that will have those pay those dividends for us and we have to just keep you know you and me and others that believe that to the core we have to just keep getting that message out there because it's like i don't know why it's so hard for people to grasp it and so we're going to take a quick break, but, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But when we come back, I would like to talk about frentimacy and those, those circles of friendships and how we develop that frentimacy, and then we'll get into the business of friendship. So we're going to take a quick moment and recognize one of our sponsors right now. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be San Diego's largest private nonprofit university founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Enroll online today, and thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. And, Diane, now back to your show. Thank you. Welcome back to The Lighthearted Life, and with us today is Shasta Nelson, a friendship expert, and we're having the most amazing conversation. And, Shasta, I wanted to touch um, on your book, Frentimacy. I just thought it was so deep and so new the concept of how you develop this frentimacy in your relationships. And I would love for you to share those circles of friendship that you taught me all about. 
Yeah, so the the five circles of friendship are actually in my first book, The Friendships Don't Just Happen. And that's where oh. we're talking about new, yeah. And then you're, and then you're, you're, you're bringing the two wonderful things together from both of the books. So we can touch on both of them. It's perfect. <laughs> so the friendships don't just happen. I teach the five circles of friendship. And in a nutshell, I think what's really, what's been so meaningful to so many women to understand that is that it shows different levels of relationship. And so I have this continuum of these five circles. And on the far left side is what we have contact friends. And these are the relationships where we've just met people. We've, you know, they're, we meet them at our kids' school. We meet them at church or some religious organization. We work with them, next door neighbors, like wherever we've met them, we can chat with them for a few minutes, obviously, and kind of just connect and we know their name. But that's not a friend. And as you move over through the five circles, um, over to the fifth circle on the far right side, those are like our deepest, deepest relationships. And what I think is really, really helpful, um, and, you know, we don't have to get in the weeds on all five of those maybe right now, but what's really helpful is you can Google. I've got videos. I've got uh, workbooks online, uh, all that stuff for free, and I also have the Friendships Don't Just Happen book that breaks that all down. What people, what it helps us do when we're talking about loneliness is it starts helping us realize, like, why am I lonely? I have so many friends. And then when you actually start looking at what circle those friends belong in, you start realizing, like, oh, I've got a lot of second circle friends, which I call common friends. So we are really, really close as long as we're in that silo together, as long as we see each other at that religious organization or at that book club or at that uh, at the country club or, you know, wherever it is we play. But those aren't friends that we're seeing outside of that silo. And so, oh, that really helps me realize what I'm missing are friends that just can kind of come around and be in other silos with me. Or maybe we've got like one or two really, really, really close friends, like fifth circle friends, but we realize that we don't have a broad network. And so it helps us start identifying where our loneliness is. A lot of a really popular form of loneliness is that a lot of us have really good third circle friends, which is the middle circle, uh, which is like we have really good friends who used to be our best friends. Like we used to maybe be in college with them. We used to live next to them. Maybe we used to work with them. But usually due to proximity, we no longer – we might we're staying in touch, and we know we could call them if something big happened. But they're the kind of friends that we have history with, but we don't really have a current, present, ongoing um, – they're not, we're not in each other's lives today. And so, uh, and so a lot of us realize, like, oh, I have, like, good, good friends that I know I could call if something big happened. But the truth of the matter is most days nothing huge is happening, but I still am lonely and miss some relationships. And so what it does is helps us really get clear that there's a lot of different kinds of loneliness, and that is – groundbreaking for most of us to just kind of realize like I can have a lot of friends and still have a hunger for a certain experience and a certain type of friend. And so really powerful for all of us to get really clear. And I think those five circles, when you start working them, you start being much quicker at, as soon as I'm lonely, I sit there and I kind of like quickly place my friends in those five circles and I can say, oh, well, that's because this circle is low and that's the circle that I need to focus on building and paying attention to. So that's powerful. And then you were using the term frentimacy, and I would describe the whole process of moving people through those five circles. Uh, I would describe the circles on the far right as experiencing frentimacy, and that's what most of us are actually lonely for. Most of us mm -hmm. aren't – most of us know enough people it's not that we need to keep going and make like I think a lot of us feel like if I'm lonely I just need to go meet new people or I just need to go make new friends we say and the truth of the matter is most of us probably don't need to just keep meeting people we actually need to know what to do with the people we've already met to make those relationships deeper and how to move people through those five circles into friend intimacy and the second book friend intimacy is all about like those 
Like, I have a lot of friends, but they don't feel as meaningful as I want them to. So what can I do to, like, help deepen those relationships and move them so that I have more relationships in the fifth circle over there where I'd say, these are, like, my people I can rely on. These are the people who see me, who know me, who I don't have to talk through a filter. Like, I know that I'm accepted. I know that I'm loved. We express that easily to each other. We've got each other's back. Like, we're in each other's lives. And those are the relationships that most of us, when we talk about feeling lonely, that's what we're wanting. Absolutely. And I have a couple of people in my life that are that exact person. And I, I just wonder, what is, like, what does it take to get to ultimate friendtimacy? I think from, from reading your books and listening to you, I think one of the most important things is being able to be vulnerable and allow mm-hmm. yourself to be known. Because if we're holding up this whole like think about social media, you know, that's, that's our, that's our highlight reel, right? But we don't go on there and say, I'm struggling with this and this and this. Very few of us want to open up the door to what we're struggling with or what our challenges are. And, and so how do we get the courage to, to be vulnerable that way in our friendships? Yeah, well, I teach, so when, I, when we look at all the research on what bonds us to people, what leaves us feeling close to people, there's three things that every single study has those three things in it. And so when we look at what makes for a healthy team, what makes for a healthy marriage, why are you my best friend and not this person, uh, these three things are always <laughs> present. And one is vulnerability. You are co- absolutely correct. Like at the end of the day, uh, we, if we don't feel like you know me or that you really see me or that you get me, it's not going to feel like a meaningful relationship. And so that vulnerability is so important. And I would say I tend to take a little bit of a different approach on social media because I view social media a little bit like a dinner party, some big town hall or big gathering. I don't go into a, <laughs> uh-huh. I don't go into a dinner party and tell everybody what's wrong either, you know. So I, I think vulnerability is, is something that is incremental and is earned with people. And so it has to be in conjunction with the other two requirements of relationship too, which is consistency which is where we build the sense of rely, that we can rely on each other. That consistency is the pattern that our relationship develops. It's being regular in each other's life. It's repeating interactions and shared experiences. It's building memories. It's logging the hours so that we feel like we know each other. And so consistency is a huge piece of relationship. Uh, that's why relationships felt easy when we were young is that our consistency felt automatic when we were young. <laughs> but nowadays, uh, that's yes. why I wrote the third book, The Business of Friendship, because uh, our workplaces, our colleagues, are the one place where we have the most consistency. And so that becomes the number one place where we make friends today because we have that consistency built in. So how to take advantage of that is so important because that's, to your earlier point about being busy, it's really hard to be consistent with everybody. And so we have to be really clear about who it is we're spending time with and investing in. And that third requirement of all healthy relationships, because if you just have, if you just have vulnerability and you know each other and you do it regularly, that's okay. But if it doesn't feel good, then that's what, then it's missing uh-huh. positivity. And so what we want is positivity and positivity is not about being positive. It doesn't mean we only say positive things. That's like toxic positivity, positivity, real positivity is how do we both leave each other's presence feeling better for having been, for having interacted. And so empathy is an act of positivity. Laughter is an act of positivity. Expressing my love for you is an act of positivity. 
acts of kindness is a pos- act of positivity, anything that's leaving us feeling good. And science shows that we need to feel five positive emotions in every relationship for every negative emotion that we feel in order for that relationship to stay healthy. And so most of us who have family members, we know that there's uh, always things that people do that annoy us or bother us or that we you know, trigger <laughs> us. But if what? there's enough of the other love in there, I know, shocking, isn't it? Right. That, uh, when there's enough of the other love, it makes up for that. But in our friendships, if the negative outweighing the positive feelings, then those are the relationships that end up getting unhealthy and end up, you know, not making it. And so, uh, so all three need to be present, and all three need to grow incrementally. And so our goal is to, that's how you build friend intimacy is one step at a time in those three things. So you leave somebody feeling good. For having been with you, they want to interact with you again. So then your consistency is built up. And every time you interact, you get to know each other a little bit better because you're sharing more information with each other, making memories. So the vulnerability automatically increases a little bit. And then when somebody's vulnerable, you both hopefully leave each other feeling more accepted and more loved for having shared that, which is an act of positivity. And then you want to repeat it because then you feel good when you're around that person. So you want to interact with them again. And so those three things, consistency, vulnerability, and positivity, just keep spiraling over and over and over and over. And the people that you practice those three things with the most are going to be the people you feel the safest with and the people that you experience intimacy with. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I appreciate most about my deepest, deepest friendships and, and my deepest friends is that they push me as well. They call me on my stuff. They ask me the deep questions like, is this really your best self? Is this how you really want to show up? You know, they, they help me become the best I am that I can be in. And since we have that love, that trust, yes. I can yes. take their questions. I can take their, you know, they're calling me on things and, and trust that it's for the better good. And do you find that that is also important in friendships? Absolutely. But I teach all three of these on a triangle with positivity as the foundation at the bottom. It all has to be built on us Mm -hmm. knowing we're loved. And then the consistency and vulnerability move up both sides of the triangle. And what you're describing is a beautiful, beautiful expression of meaningful relationships toward the top of the triangle, where you have high consistency, meaning you rely on these people, they've been there for you, you've got a pattern, and you know each other really, really well, you have high vulnerability. And it's all on a foundation of you know they love you. Because that same expression wouldn't feel good if I don't barely know you and you walk up and you start telling me what I need to do differently, right? So it's got to be, it's that right. expression of a, of a deep, meaningful relationship. And absolutely, we want those people. We want those people that we feel like we know, we don't question that they love us. And so it feels safe for us to be like, to kind of show our side that might not be as beautiful or, or trustworthy. So yeah, absolutely. Right. I love that. And I want to ask you one last thing before we have to, this has gone so quickly, um, but I, I know. Like to talk. So have it. I know it's crazy. First of all, if people want to find out more about your work and um, you, can they go to your website and find out more? Yes. Yes, ShastaNelson.com, and I actually have a really fun intimacy quiz on there that you can take, uh, and it answers, you answer these questions, and it gives you a score on positivity, vulnerability, and consistency, and that is a fun thing to do because it helps see which one of these three might come harder to you and which one you could improve in your relationships to make the biggest difference. Oh, I love that. That is awesome. So people can, when they're listening to our show today, they can get right into this stuff. Um, absolutely. Before we go we got a couple more minutes, and I just wanted you to touch on just a little bit more your most recent book, The Business of Friendship, because I think sometimes um, in workplaces, friendship is sort of 
discouraged, like, you know, being too close or hanging out or whatever. But the truth of the matter is that the research does show that when you have those positive feelings and those positive friendships in the workplace, productivity goes up, um, fewer people call out sick or don't come to work, people are happier, and and so it's really, it really is important, and it really does speak to uh, the bottom line for companies, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. The research has been bearing that out for decades now, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, because I said, this is so crazy. The research benefits, it shows that I, the employee, will like my job better. I will enjoy my days more. I will feel more like I'm making a more valuable contribution. I will, I will have high job satisfaction if I have friends at work, even a best friend at work. So I benefit. But the amazing thing, too, is I have an entire chapter on how the company benefits from me having friends at work. It's a win-win, and the research is so so strong and so compelling to your point and yet it is this weird thing that we're fearful of and I just think it's so funny we would never say to our kids you know now go to school but you are there to learn so don't talk to other people don't get caught up in relationships there's too much drama there you just need to go there and learn like no we understand that they're going to learn better if they have relationships there and we know that drama is a part of relationships but we don't say well I'm not going to send my kid to school because there might be some relationship issues there we just say we need to teach them how to handle relationship issues and the same should be in our businesses we are way better off having good friends will there be relationship drama yes but there's relationship drama even if we're not all friends there's more drama if we don't like each other so let's teach let's teach and train each other how to have better relationships like most of the issues that we're scared of in the workplace aren't because of healthy relationships they're because of the the we don't train where they're they're because of unhealthy relationships and so we need to actually learn how to teach people and help facilitate more opportunities for friendship because absolutely that's the number one place we're making friends is at work and we may as well take advantage of it i so agree and i could talk to you about this for another hour but uh, (laughs) unfortunately our show is just about over so that's our show for the day I want to thank you, Shasta Nelson, for being our leading lady, and I want to give a special thanks to all of our listeners in the U.S. and internationally, because we're an international show. We'll be back again for another Women Lead Radio show, Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, and it has been such a pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and have a great week, and make it a lighthearted life. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.